to tonight's episode of the Group Therapy Podcast. We're going to bring back a fan favorite, one of my favorite interviews. That is Dr. Zombo. We're bringing him hey, back. Hey, how you doing? Good. How are you doing, sir? I am doing fantastic. Still out there in the Pacific Northwest? Uh, for now, yeah. Yeah. I keep, I keep waning on the idea of fleeing, but I think I'll stick here for a little bit. Um, so last time we talked, uh, not only on the show, but online, we were talking about dreaming and trying to, to connect with your dreams and stuff like that. Yeah. I've been working really hard at this and, uh, I haven't been able to like put something somewhere and then go back and get it, but I've been able to walk into a storefront that I've never been in. And it was an old right. video store. And it was still VHS tapes on the on the shelves. And yeah. I could walk up, pull one off the shelf, and I could read it like clearly and remember it. See, you're getting every every step is a little bit closer to, to what you're looking for. Okay. So don't don't be uh let down or put back. Like it takes time. Oh yeah. You know, I mean I it took me years. You know, I didn't just like wake up and I was like, oh, wow, I'm walking around and I can play with myself in the dark. You know what I mean? No, you literally, you got to You got to give it some time. So, hey, good on you. If you can read this shit, that's that's better than what most people can do. Yeah. And, and it's funny because, I, like I said, I remember pulling a VHS off the shelf in this video store. I remember the cover. And I could flip it over and I could read the synopsis on the back. You're, you're halfway there, man. And it was, and I can tell you what it was. It was Surf Party Slaughterhouse. That was the nice. movie. Now, does that movie actually exist? No, not as far as I know. That's the best part. I've actually read halfway through books that don't exist by authors that don't exist. So it makes me wonder, is that just our alternate universe? Giant to say the 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 I've studied a lot and it's the that we live in two universes we live in our wake universe and our dream universe and they're two vastly but they both exist and uh, right. I was going to ask you about that but you answered that question before I even had a chance. Oh hey, I I, I travel around a lot in my head. I, I've been able to answer quite a few questions that I I thought were maybe mysticism. Now, uh, I'm not so sure. <laughs> yeah. See, we we got on this whole thing, and we actually did a show about it forever ago on, like, the Mandela effect and stuff like that. And, um, like, I distinctly remember stuff that existed. Like, I could tell you where I was when I watched it in the whole nine yards, and it doesn't exist. Yeah. And what one is, is I remember the animated Kiss Halloween special from like 1979 and it doesn't exist but i remember watching it i could tell you where i was and hey you know uh it, it's funny i i kind of describe life in general as a giant mathematical equation a fractal yeah okay no matter how small or how big it's all the same fucking equation mm -hmm. it's just matter of perspective 
and how we can view it. So when you look at it from a distance, it looks like a clusterfuck, a psychedelic, right? Mm -hmm. But then when you zoom in on it, there is no zooming in. You could keep zooming in for eternity and it just keeps growing growing off of the same exact thing. So seeing two, maybe three different altered uh, realities, having them cross over to each other is kind of like what I was talking about where sleeping and awake life you know that transfer in between yeah it's it and and the more that you find out like reading a a movie off the shelf that doesn't exist but you can see it clearly Mm -hmm. that means that you're honing in the skills on realizing your situation and it's taking you out of that cloudy dreamlike state and making it more real yeah and it will get more intense from there yeah. And, and the, the worst part about it is, like I said last time, is I, I didn't really dream a whole lot when I was younger. Uh, my, I didn't sleep properly and, and everything else like that. So I never really had dream dreams. And as I got older, I've, I've been able to really kind of have a set sleep schedule, which I never really had before. Uh, even right. when I did, I could, but now I can kind of you know, where I, I sleep, sleep about six hours a night. So I get about four good hours, maybe. Yeah. But, but that's, that's a good solid, like every couple of nights I have really good REM sleep where I'm deep, deep sleep. Yeah. And it, it's kind of funny. Cause like I said, I, I never dreamt a whole lot and then suddenly I'm having dreams and now I can kind of manipulate them somewhat, not, not greatly, but you know, like I said, I'm able to go in places that I don't exist or places that I have seen the outside, but I've never been in the inside. Right. Now I'm like actually gone in them in my dreams, but I've never been in them in real life. So. Oh man, I'm telling you, it's a trip. And uh, on, on the fact of you saying when you're a kid, you didn't really dream much. Mm-hmm. Here's the funny fact. Chances are you did dream a whole hell of a lot. You just didn't remember any of it. Yeah. Because how many times do you wake up from a dream where right before you wake up, right before you're just holding on, grasping on to that last visual, but then you open your eyes and it's gone. That is just a hint of what it used to be where you had a dream, you're in it, you're feeling it, you see it. And as soon as you start coming out of that, it's just gone before you even get a chance to know you did it. It's that uh, the difference between the child brain and the adult brain, because your child brain functions completely different than an adult brain. So actually, a, a child's brain. Here's the fucked up reality about kids' brains. My personal opinion is when a child is born, they already got everything that they need, except for the basics. Like here, put a spoon in your mouth, not your eye. You know, here's how you wipe your ass. Uh, those things slowly but surely over time, the world and adult kind of just stomp that out because we view the child as not knowing. Mm-hmm. When if we were to talk to them just like we talk to each other, they might be on par. They've already had nine months listening to our crap inside a belly. You know what I mean? And not just listening, developing into a being as it's living through nine months of whatever experiences we have so well, 
it's kind of, it's kind of a trip. I, I've I've read read a couple articles and uh, like a book or two on the fact that most they believe that babies have unlimited potential. That it's basically society and people and their parents and stuff like that that basically, for lack of a better, dumb down a baby and ruin it. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's like you know I hate to say this when I was a kid. I always wanted to play guitar. Thought it'd been cool as hell. And uh, my parents were like, "Well, you're never gonna play. You're never gonna play it." So I never played the guitar. I, I learned how to play right. bass when I got older, but it was never well enough. And I'm thinking, well, you know, if somebody would have looked at me and went, "Okay, here's how you play guitar," when I was like, you know, five, you know, even younger than that, you know, I yeah. may be a great guitar player now. But you know, it's right. like, and isn't it sad that the older we get, all we're doing is struggling trying to get back to a creative headspace that we were in as a kid oh yeah you know like it's like going through some sort of brainwashing for 15 16 17 years and then spending the rest of our lives trying to get back where we started if we were just kind of left to our own in the beginning like if you look at tribes when their babies are born yeah they get fed yeah they get fucking uh you know, taught how to do stuff, but there is no age limit. They start from the day they can barely move, and that's just how it is. And then they are fully self-sufficient by the age of twelve. Mm-hmm. You know. Oh yeah. Well, when it when it comes to to you know growing up and and being a kid, you know, I look at it this way, man. When I was a kid, I was really i had the 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 imagination you know that you would not believe and i still got a really pretty good imagination but you know and i could draw pretty well and stuff like that and as i got older i i can't draw like i used to um i I don't have the you know i guess the the imagination i used to i have a pretty good one but not to that level you know i hear stories about when i was a kid that they when i was in school they took everything away from me everything they could because i'd play with it i'd play with any time i'd make toys out of my pencils my erasers you name it and so i got to the point where i had my imagination so i'm in the corner you know and it was funny because they said i was fishing so i'm literally like you know as a kid (laughs) it's like and and so i was probably in my brain i was fishing (laughs) yeah hey i still do that shit today but yeah society work uh adults uh all these ideas get pumped into us the episode i just put out last night kind of touches on that a little bit where we are handed down what has become and what was left over of our parents yeah and all they had was what they carried on from their parents. You know what I mean? And uh, it, it's it's kind of good to see that parents are trying their hardest to be a little bit more involved emotionally oh, yeah. with children. Um, but there's still this underlining fact that's like, you need, to, you need to grow up and you need to stop imagining and stop daydreaming. Well, you know, if it wasn't for the daydreamers and the artists, 
this world would look like shit. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, we're we're the ones that bring civilization, and they want to pound it out of you. Mm-hmm. Well, what was bad is is I remember when my kids, my my older boys, were still in school, and you know they're like, well, they need to grow up. I'm like, man, they're kids. You know, yeah. they're why are you trying to knock this out of kids? You know, I had to grow up super fast. And I, you know, as I got older, I kind of regressed a little bit, but I guess in a good way, um, I'm, you know, I love my kids, man. I, I, I think they have all the potential in the world and, you know, I'm, I'm for them, whatever they want to do. Yeah. And, you know, I just look at these parents, you know, and especially being in my store, I see these parents that come in and then they hate what their kids do. You know, the kids that come oh, in yeah. comic books or play magic or something like that. You could just see the disappointment in the parents' face when they're like, yeah, give them yeah. a couple packs of magic. You know, they're like, man, when my kids do stuff, I'm, I, I, I love it. My, my son, Joe, is the, um, he is the one that, that, that like looks at everything. Me and him. I've had discussions about music and his mom's had discussions about music and movies and stuff like that. And uh, he will go and look at music and go, okay, I know where this guy got his ideas. And then he'll look at that and he'll go and he just, he'll look at everything, as, you know, exponentially outward. And I'm like, yes, this is what I want as a parent that you look at everything like that. Right. Well, I mean, yeah. You can blame the parents to a point, but you can't because here's the deal. They're seeing the struggles that they're going through. Mm -hmm. It's, it's kind of like when I used to train supervisors, okay, mm -hmm. I would find someone that had drive and I'd be like, Hey, they could work out. But the biggest problem that happens is they never find their middle ground. Okay. Where they're either too hard handed or they're too soft and growing up and being an adult is finding that middle ground, that middle ground where you can handle the rough shit because you know life's gonna be crap here and there mm -hmm. and you gotta be able to handle it and move on. And then you also have to have the soft spot, but not too soft so you don't get taken advantage of. Yeah. If they worked more on being right in the middle, it would be great. Unfortunately, that's not how humans work. No. You know what I mean? You get one out of 500 that can do that. And then the rest of them are all either one or the other. And then they just sit there and point fingers at each other because they're not doing it right. And then that gets translated to children. And they're just sitting there going like, what, what am I supposed to be? You want me to grow up, but like I'm five years old. Yeah, it, it's, it's amazing. You know, I'm sitting there watching them. And uh, I remember when my kids were maybe junior high-ish. And being pulled into school because they're like, well, they're being weird. They need to grow up. I'm yeah. like, dude, they're kids, man. Oh, I was forced God. to grow, you know, it's like. Yeah. Hey, tell me about it. You know what used to happen when they would pull me in? Okay. My son's name is Vicious. And that was already a problem. They're all, well, we're not going to call them that. I had one teacher calling him Bobby and he was like, dad, this teacher keeps calling me Bobby. That's not my name. And I was like, I know it's not. So I went in, I was like, what the fuck's your problem? You don't know how to kid, call a kid by his name? I was like, what the fuck's the difference between Bobby 
and uh, vicious. Nothing. Well, vicious is a rude name. I was like, doesn't matter. It's his name. It's not your fucking choice. And that's just where it started. Oh, yeah. And then he liked horror movies, which I'm sure your kids do too. So he's drawing pictures of Freddy and Jason. And oh no, he's gonna shoot up the school or something. No, he's not. Those are his that's his that's his bag. Oh yeah. Well, my 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 son, he got we got called in because he wrote, they had uh somebody come in and talk in this class and he's super sarcastic kid has been since day one Good. and uh he's like oh my god if he goes I, I was so tired of it i wanted to kill myself and i was like i we got pulled in he had to go to the counselor and everything and we're just like he's being a smart ass don't you see that they don't because no. they don't understand how to be it themselves no. It's 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 a benign, weird, uh, non-realistic approach to living that they don't get. Mm -hmm. They don't get some of these teachers, unfortunately, uh, don't understand kids enough to be teachers. Yeah. And it, it's funny because literally when I graduated high school, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a teacher because I wanted to be the one who was like, man, you're no guys that's bullshit you know i wanted to be the teacher yeah. stepped up. and then i realized you know you're not going to get anywhere in school as a teacher being that teacher because they don't want teachers like that no and and, and you know i'm not even talking shit about teachers there's some no. bad teachers out there oh, yeah. but when you're dealing with classrooms that used to be 5 10 15 kids now are 30 35 and they're all a bunch of like pre-hormonal brats running around screaming with imagination. Mm -hmm. Hell, I, I don't know if I could put up with that. No. And I love people with imagination. Oh, I yeah. mean, it, but uh, holy crap. Yeah, it, it's it's one of the ones where you're you're looking at them, they just want them to calm down, do the schoolwork, regurgitate facts and get out. And, yeah. And it's funny because I, I know a couple of teachers who like, you know, they, they, they want kids to learn. They want them to, to, to like what they do. I mean, I went through school and I had maybe three teachers that really got me, that understood yeah. how my brain worked and um, like do this. I had my uh, high school military history teacher. Dude, love me. He looked at me. He goes, he goes, you know this. He goes, the fact is, is that, you know, you're enjoying what you're learning. And he, he let me learn the way I wanted to learn. Yeah. And I, I, I think I graduated that class with like a hundred and like eight average because I never missed a question on any test because it was just the way he taught me, I learned and it just stuck and it, it's, it's, most of it's still there to this day. Um, yeah, and that's the thing. If you let a kid use their imagination in a learning environment where they have freedom to learn the way that they want and pick up on the things that they enjoy and then see, and, and let me stop there for a second because teachers used to have more freedom to do things like that. Mm -hmm. In our day, they did. Yeah. 
And then there was that whole no child left behind thing that just never went away. And I saw it change because I had a couple of my kids' teachers come to me and be like, there's nothing I can do. They just give me a, a packet of, of Xeroxed off crap at the beginning of the year said, here's your curriculum. Here's the lessons. Don't stray from it. Yep. So then they become uh, underpaid babysitters. Yeah. So by taking away from how a kid learns and by not focusing in on how they like to learn and understanding that, uh, they walk away not knowing much of shit. And they'll find what they want to learn about in other places. And that might not be a good thing. No. You know, you, you get, if they don't learn, you know, have fun learning and enjoy it, that's, it's, 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 it's becomes tedious to them. and They don't want to deal with it. I mean, I had teachers that hated me because like I said, my brain don't function like normal people at all. I mean, my, you always see those movies where they're the psychics are reading the brain and they know exactly what the person's thinking. That would never happen. My <laughs> head's going a billion miles an hour. You know, I was like, there's music lyrics going on in here. There's movies, there's books, there's comics, and it's all going on simultaneously. And, um, you're talking what, to the doctor, man. I know. Oh yeah. I know how this shit goes. <laughs> Well, it, it wasn't even until like a couple of years ago when I hate to say this, when my eyesight started going bad, that I started slowing down on what I used to do. My my mom hated it. My wife thought it was hilarious when we got we and her, her got together. I would watch TV, play video games, listen to music, and read at the same time. And without missing a beat, because I'd just be like, my brain would be catching everything. I'd have the book here, listening to music, watching TV, because I'd have the TV next to the TV with the with the video game on. And I'd just be playing video games and I'd get everything. Nothing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, um it's fucking crazy. Yeah. And now I can only do like three things at the same time. <laughs> hey, the older we get, I, I understand with eyesight. I mean, I, I'm basically legally blind in one eye, and I've got tinnitus so bad that uh, everything's fucked up in there, but you know, I just keep rolling. Even if I can't see what I'm doing, I just keep doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I have, to, I had to cheat. I actually, uh, uh, about two years ago, I had to start using glasses so I could read books and stuff again. Well, I wear glasses all the time. I have to have a tint on them because, uh, bright lights, I'm not going to go into how that all happened, but, uh, yeah, bright lights kind of fuck with my eyes a bit. So, even at work, they're like, why are you wearing sunglasses? And I was like, they're not, man. They're fucking tinted because you got these goddamn bright-ass lights. I don't know, what the fuck am I supposed to do? I get headaches and shit. Yeah. Well, you talk about tinnitus. Um, I worked in factories and stuff for years and went to concerts and stuff and uh, other things. And my, um, I used to always have a ringing in my ear. And it, it's, they say it doesn't go away. But I've been work, out of working in factories for okay, like seven years now. And yeah. I don't have that as much as I used to. Of course. Yeah. Because you're not constantly damaging your ears. Yeah. It's like my ears will be fine. Go in, get in front of, you know, a room full of 24 machines cutting, you know, giant rings of ceramic 
the the uh, the tone is unbelievable. I, I mean, I got to wear earplugs and earmuffs just so I can survive. And I leave there and my ears are still fucked. Well, um, the worst part about it was a few years ago, I went to a concert and um, was fine, did the entire show. And uh, mind you, I was up front. So it was like, boom, front stage right there. And uh, yeah. no problem. I had forgot something. I wanted to get signed out in my car. So I took off out of the club, ran to my car. I'm digging in the thing. And all of a sudden I realize there's no noise. And I look up and there's cars driving by and there's people and I don't hear any of it. And I thought, oh, this is the day I go deaf. This is the moment I've been dreading for years. This is when it goes out. And I'm like, oh, man. So I grab my stuff out of the car and I go walking back into the club. And I'm sitting there going, oh, man, I, now I got to figure out how I'm going to talk to my wife. And I get and I start hearing it and it starts crackling. And I can hear that like it, and but you, you hear stuff like that. Yeah. And I get in and I get in the club and I can start hearing. Everything's kind of like that high pitched noise is still in the background. But I'm like, oh my God. So then after that, I'm I've been a even more careful. But now I don't work in a factory no more. So I'm like, all right, cool. I don't worry about that. <laughs> yeah. Man, it, it'll kill you over time, man. Uh, I'm glad that I listen to enough music to where even when music's not playing, it's playing. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like, uh, the ones that really bug me at about 3 o'clock in the morning, 4 o'clock in the morning, you got some horrible, horrible 80s song you would never listen to on purpose, stuck in your head on a loop. Yep. Like, you know, uh, fucking boy george or something just you know do you want to hurt me do you want to hurt me just over and over and it's just like fuck me you know it's time for bed <laughs> every once in a while the only way i can get rid of that is i actually have to listen to the actual song yeah see i don't play into it because i don't need that shit i don't want to know the rest of the lyrics i'll stick with the the five seconds so i don't have to put up with the rest of it but i've tried that before it just made things worse well, recently i discovered something that works for me and it, it started when i was doing editing for the show i started listening to music soundtracks the scores and that music is supposed to be played in the background it's not supposed to be really noticeable and that will knock a song out of my head because it's there yeah you know especially, you know, some of the stuff I got, you know, is, is, you know, like I said, I've got horror movie soundtracks and. Oh, and, I've been watching. Yeah. You post stuff, all, all, the, all your albums and stuff. No, it's yeah. a great collection. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, man, I, 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 and it, it helps, man. It just knocks that garbage out. My son can be over there watching TV, watching his YouTube videos or whatever he's watching at the time. And I'll have the, the record player going and I'll be listening to that. And it just, I lose it. I don't hear that. I can lose, um, you know, I can edit a show together. It takes me an hour. It feels like it's 20 minutes and it, it yeah. works so well. So, oh yeah, I, I have a problem anymore. I, I, I love music with vocals and stuff like that, but I've really strayed away from music with vocals anymore. Uh, for the most part, unless I really want to hear it just I, I I have a problem with being introduced 
to a preconceived idea and like structure of this thing, you know, that, oh, you're going to have to feel this way because that's the way I sang it. Uh, here's the story I want you to hear. It, it's so much nicer to just come up with your own conclusions. Oh, I guess the older I get, the less I want structure. And I know it should be the other way around, but fuck me. I'm already burnt out, you know? Yeah, you're, you're the exact opposite of me. I, I love, I have order and it's, it's my OCD. I get it. It's, 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 I have things I do in order every day. And, but yeah, it's, it's, and then for me, music is okay. I'm in the car, I'm driving. It's almost always metal. Uh, I'm at home editing. It's usually uh, musical scores. If I'm at home chilling out, it's, you know, synth wave or something like that, that I'm listening to. And it, it's just where I'm at. And then uh, if, if I'm really, really in a bad mood or something like that, it's black metal. It's, it's the, the, the hard, hard stuff. <laughs> yeah. See, I kind of suffer from uh, FIM. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've heard of that condition. Mm -mm. It, it stands for fuck it, man. I just, uh, you know, I, I, I get that thing going. It's like, I get in and I'm like, I did this yesterday. I got to throw it out the window. <laughs> I, I wish I could do that. My wife hates it. I get up and, and it's, I get up at the same time almost every day. I get my kid up, I get him his breakfast. You know, I get everything. Boom. Every other day I leave, I go to the gym. I get home, I eat, you know, whatever. I go to, I go to work, I go to the shop. I come home, I do it. And it's like, boom, 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 boom. And it, for me, like I said, it's, it's the OCD and it's the, 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 the way the brain works. Now, it's called being a father. Let me tell you something, bud. I had, even in my most chaotic moments, because for some reason, raising my child, okay, being the boss at work, you know, running my own shit and all this crap. I, I had, I had my well-oiled machine. Unfortunately, even that was pissing me off subconsciously that I would find every chance I could to just fuck up everything chaotically, still manage to get it all right, but just like lash out at myself being like, I don't want to be an adult, but you are an adult, but I don't want to be. And it went back and forth for 18 years, you know? Yeah, I would show up to work shit face drunk and fucking have to piss myself on the side of the road but I'd still get the job done and then go back to the bar start fights show up at home four hours late trashed like and nobody understood why and I didn't realize until way later I was like oh I was rebelling against my own my my own schedule my own mission mm -hmm. you know it was like yes I want to be here I want to be in my kid's life I want to be a good husband. I want to do all these things. I want to be successful. And holy fuck, uh, I was able to. I pulled it off. I did it damn well. But I had to rebel against myself because I didn't like the structure. Because I knew what was going to happen. I knew it was coming tomorrow and the day after and that night and every fucking chance I had. And it wore on me. I was like, where's the excitement? So I had to blow shit up so I could... Uh, see some fireworks and get a 
did something different. So it's it's not just some OCD thing. You're a father. And here's the thing. They need that yeah. because you're still being part of their life. You're, you're letting them explore their own selves. But you're also, through showing, showing them, hey, here's a routine. Here's how you can have time for you. Here's how you can have time for this and make it through without stressing yourself out too much. Oh, yeah. See, I, I and on top of it, back in the day, when uh, before my youngest was born, um, all I did was I, all I did was get up, work, all that fun stuff. But I was a hard drinker at the time, so I was like, "There's there, there's a good like five year gap where I was never sober. Then I got sober for a brief moment. Then I was like another five years where I was never sober." And I was at work and people to this day did not know that I was drinking at work. You know, in my job, yeah. I was manager at a video store, but, you know, I would go and um, I found out stuff that people couldn't smell or if they smelled it, they thought it was something else. So yeah, I'd, go to, I'd go over to Speedway and get me uh, a big, like, you know, one of the big cups and I would drink that. I'd always make sure it was lemonade. And then I'd fill it back up with like Mike's hard lemonade, pop the lid back on it. And I'd sit there and drink that the rest of the shift. And people were like, oh man, you were always drinking lemonade. I was like, no, nah, I wasn't. When he, I was like, <laughs> I was hammered, man. I was like, I don't know how the hell I functioned. Hey, I, I gotta say you're better than me, man. Like I used to hide it when I was on the bus or something like that. Yeah. But, uh, or in high school, you know, vodka. Mix yep. vodka with just about anything sweet and you're good to go. Yep. Uh, but at work, unfortunately, like the, the job that I had for almost 18 years was part of the body modification industry and making body jewelry and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So we were all fuck ups anyway. But I, I would literally like, I just didn't give a fuck. I don't know what my problem was. I would show up almost wrecked through the front of the building in my old 70s Pontiac stumble out with a whiskey bottle in my hand and then uh enticed everyone else to get fucked up with me and what turned into fuck off fridays turned into fuck off monday tuesday wednesday i don't know how we made money but we did <laughs> well it's the worst part about it i was hammered at my job and i ended up being one of the best managers they ever had at the hey me too man i ended up being the plant manager i don't even know how that shit went down I go out on business trips, showing up, getting drunk with CEOs and crap. And man, you ever want to have a good time? Be the party animal and go meet a stiff. And then get them a couple drinks in. You'd be surprised at how fucking crazy these bastards get. Pretty good shit. Oh, yeah. It, it, I, I know a couple of super straight laced guys, man. You get a few drinks in them and they're, they're, they're a blast. Oh, it's like putty in your hands, you know? Oh, yeah. Next thing you know, you wake up with your usual hangover. They wake up with a mohawk. <laughs> oh, man. That's one thing I don't, I I'm, I stopped drinking a bunch of years ago, but, man, I do not regret, I do not miss hangovers in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> and I'll be honest, I am going on about seven years. Did, I'm probably right there with you six or seven i think and, yeah uh, yeah it was uh literally one of them one days man i'm sitting there we're at i did a con i had my comic book convention 
and we're out with a bunch of people and we're all hanging out because it was a success. So we're all hanging out, having drinks and, and eating. And um, I looked over and I slid my drink across the bar, across the table and said, I'm done. Wife says, you ready to leave? I was like, no, I'm not ready to leave. I'm done. And I haven't had a drink since. So I, I hit that point too. And I think the one that really got me is I was dying. Literally, I was dying. I was going through seizures and going blind and shit because I, whole big long story. The last night I drank, I was at my last job. I had just quit. Uh, and I was hanging out with a couple of my employees and we're shooting pool. And I just got fucking, just, I just lost it. I broke everything in the fucking office. I pissed all over it, passed out, face down on the floor, woke up in the morning and said, fuck all y'all, went home uh, and never touched another drop. And that was seven years ago. Whew. Yeah. But I went out with a bang, so I... Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I, I, I didn't go out with a bang, but... Uh... I think you did. You had a successful night, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, I guess I did. Yeah. Yeah, well, pat yourself on the back. Don't be all fucking poopy pants about it. <laughs> yeah i made some money and made a bunch of people happy yes i am i am hey it's not a cool thing to break a bunch of people shit and then piss on it like no. come on it sounds funny but is it cool not really no it's a that's a that's a hell of a hell of a night right there i i um i only have one of those that it's the only reason i even know what happened was other people have told me it happened I have no clue. I don't remember it at all. I don't remember the first thing. I remember starting the night and then waking up the next day. Nothing in between. And that's scary, but you know, because I even at my hardest drinking, I never had like where I I have vague, you know, recollections of stuff when I was drinking, drinking, but it was just that one night, man. And it's it was the whole thing is. Oh God, man, yeah. I'll tell you, I, I, I can't even like, I, I couldn't even tell you how many times that happened in a single week, let alone the last 30 years. I, I could not 30 years of that shit. I don't know how I made it. And the thing that I regret is, you know, my kid will be bringing up stuff and I'll be like, Hey dad, remember that time? It was really funny. And I'll be like, I finally had to admit to him the other day and I was, I was heartbroken. I was like, I'm sorry, buddy. Half the stuff you at, like talk to me about, I may have been there at that moment, but I don't remember shit. I don't remember nothing. And I think that's the biggest regret that I have is I needed to go over the edge. Mm -hmm. I had to, because if I didn't, I wouldn't be who I am today. Yeah. I let go of all of it. When people say, Ooh, I get crazy when I drink. Like, I was scary, like to myself, scary, violent, weird, insane. Like I quit drinking and half my mental problems went away. I thought they were helping me, but no, man, it would make me fucking insane. That, that's you that's know? where I was at. I was, uh, um, I had depression real bad. So I was drinking to deal with the depression. And then that makes it even worse because alcohol is a depressant. So you're just yeah. layering that shit on and you, you deal with it horribly. Um, I know that, um, you know, like I said, I remember vague stuff, not, not like completely blackout. 
but like my friends would tell me they're like you know you knew shit was going to go bad they go because you would just they said you would get a shark look to your face yeah and they'd like i would be willing to fight and throw down with anybody i didn't care how big they were and they're like you're gonna kill somebody because you don't stop and i'm like okay and they're like the next day no one even knew that i would ever be like that so like, yeah. all mellow, you know? so. yeah. hey if i could hold my shit together i would drink to the day i die but you know what at this point i've never i i haven't even been urged to drink i i supplement with other things that expand my horizons if you will uh and, and i'll stick to that because you know what I realize instead of being a fucking nutbag, trying to be the hardcore motherfucker, uh, I'm just gonna, I don't know, immerse myself in what I am. Yeah. 100% creativity. Just keep that going. See, you know, I, I made that decision a couple of years back because, man, I was always one of the ones where you're like, oh, you know, you know, you're hard. You stay hard. You know, you, you, you don't, you know, emotions bullshit, you know, and it was like suddenly one day I was like, why am I like that? You know, it's like, I. Oh yeah. It's why is the shell like that? Even if you get there inside and you force yourself to try to be that hardened and you know what? The, the, the more dangerous motherfuckers out there are the ones that understand this topic. Mm-hmm. They're more dangerous because the ones that don't understand that are more dangerous to themselves because they're so wrapped up in trying to make sure that they can believe their story. Oh, yeah. But when you know your story and you know where you came from and you know what you're capable of and you are actually strong enough to say, I don't need to be like that unless I have to be. Then you start picking up on shit that like Shaolin monks knew fucking well before we did. Oh, yeah. You know, you know it. You can have it. You can use it if you absolutely have to use it. But other than that, there's no need. Yeah. See, that that was what was, you know, you talk about the Shaolin stuff. When I did, uh, I did martial arts years ago and it was nice because, man, it helped focus me. But, you know, I was still young enough. And then I started, you know, still doing my, doing that practice. But then I started drinking and... (laughs) It was like, you know, the the, the yeah. patience and everything I had learned in martial arts started to go away and the alcohol started overwhelming it. So, yeah, I, I understand all the way down to the martial arts, man. Uh, it's just it's funny. Uh, I was looking for a job. Uh, I was tired of doing all the crap that I had been doing. And I was back in my, I don't know, like maybe 20 18, 19, 20. My kid was already born when I was 17. So I'm looking for a job, looking for a job. And I'm flipping through the paper and I'm just like, yes, back in the day where you had to flip through the paper and look for jobs, you know. I'm flipping through and I'm like, oh, well, this seems completely different and asinine. Maybe I could get away with it. And it said, Karate Dojo, looking to train a new trainer. And I was like, hey, no experience necessary. I get to learn karate and get paid for it. All right. It was a pyramid scheme later on down the road. Yeah. But I learned a lot. And yes, you know, in the morning I get up and go jogging in my full gi, you know, and 
go out in the park and, you know, karate kid it out for a couple hours before I go into the dojo. And, uh, you know, but by nighttime, I try to show off what I knew and I just fall on my face because I was shit faced drunk. Yeah. See, I, I, I went, I luckily, I kind of got, by the time the alcohol really kicked in, I kind of got away from it in the dojo. So I was still practicing, but I was practicing outside. Yeah. Um, you know, but then, then I started getting it where I'd get super freaking cocky because, you know, I'm like, I'm, you know, I'm, practicing martial arts and now i'm a drunk so your brain's like you whoop anybody's ass and so i'd be willing to fight everybody and uh, oh yeah luckily luckily i don't i don't think i ever really got into a fight fight but i i know that they always said muscle memory kicks in yeah and uh, so i'd always kind of get people to the ground and if as long as i could keep them on the ground i think i was fine uh, <laughs> just use that so, hey whatever when you're fighting whatever works yep you know what i mean i ended up leaving the karate dojo believe it or not and becoming a vet tech by accident uh and i did that for about two and a half years and uh i'll tell you not as calming and uh you know cool with the karate but damn you could keep all your whiskey hidden in the dead dog freezer and just take little breaks whenever the hell you want. By about five o'clock in the afternoon doing uh, x-rays, you're having a blast. Uh, I'm not going to lie, though. My, my whole thing is, is that if I was ever a vet tech, I, I, would, I, would, I, I, I have a huge, huge soft spot for animals. Um, oh me too, man. My, my wife makes fun of me. She calls me Snow White because animals love me. Um, we lived we lived like right at the edge of the country at at one time, and I'd be out in the backyard, and deer would come out of the backyard and follow me around. And she goes, "I wish I had pictures." And there's literally a picture. She didn't get the good picture, but there's a picture, and I'm like, I got my hand out, and I'm feeding an apple to a deer. But she's got it once the deer starts walking away. But everybody's like, I'm like, no, I, I, I could walk out my, my backyard in the, in the morning. There'd be like groundhogs and raccoons and deer and stuff. And Tina's like, how do you do that? I'm like, I, I don't know. Animals love me, I guess. I was like, people, not so much. Animals love me. Oh, yeah. Well, that's part of the reason why I thought it would be a good idea to jump on it. I had applied and I was like, got a call back. And I was like, Oh man, and I was still, I was at the karate dojo when I got the call and I started realizing, I was like, when am I going to get a fucking paycheck from this place, you know? So I started realizing I was getting screwed. And uh, so I show up, I didn't even have enough time to go home and get dressed. So I show up, I have a mohawk, I'm in a full karate gi, okay? And it's the middle of summer and I'm pouring sweat. Not the kind of attire you wear to an animal hospital in an upscale neighborhood uh, with no experience. But little did I know the guy who interviewed me was a Vietnam vet that was really into karate uh, and I got the job. And I'll tell you, I, I ran that head doctor through hell and back. I mean, 
I must have changed his life somewhat. He started smoking weed and sold his practice and disappeared about a year after I quit. So, hey, maybe I did somebody something good. I know I just had a good time with it. Yeah. But your, your dreams, the reason why you have the ability to go even where you're at with your dreams mm-hmm. and the reason why you have the ability to, to, to you know, interact with strange animals and shit you carry something different that some don't the more you know about you the more confident you are in who you believe you are the more animals understand that the more your dreams open up when you're spending your entire day subconsciously conflicted in yourself as to who you are and where you need to be and how you need to act and all this crap instead of just being you have no mental space or capacity left to exude confidence and you have no mental capacity left to even contemplate why a dream would matter in the first place. Yeah. So. Oh yeah. But it's a, it's, it's a, it's funny. Cause you know, I'm at a point now in my life that I never like even five, you know, even though I was on my way five years ago to be where I'm at, definitely not 10 years ago when I started it. Um, you know, it's weird being successful for me. I've never, you know, I've always just been there, you know, even if I was a boss somewhere, it was still like, okay, you know, there's X amount of people above me. I still get shit on and it does this. Now I am the guy who I don't, you know, I'm, people come to me for advice. People like coming to my store. People, you know, that I don't even really know that well come in just because I brighten their day up, which is for me is crazy, but hey, it works for them. Um, Yeah. And I I think the same crap, man. Trust me. (laughs) I'm like, how the fuck am I cheering up your day? And, and uh, the other day I went to, and I, I've, I've said this to a couple people, uh, I went to a horror movie convention and, you know, I do this show and I, I don't want to sound like egotistical, but I do this show for me. I do this show because I get to talk to people like you. I get to talk to other horror hosts. I get to talk to, you know, artists and movie makers and stuff like that, that, that you know, I wouldn't get to talk to in my regular life. And so this is like, yeah, I do it, you know, for a handful of friends that I know watch it and stuff like that. But I mean, for me, it's for me. And I've had, I'm at the convention and these people sit down next to me and the lady sitting there just looking at me and she's looking at me and she's like, are you, are you a guest? And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm just, you know, here to to shop and to get autographs and she kind of looks at me again she goes do you have a show i went yeah i got got a couple little shows on youtube and that that's where i've seen you she goes you 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 know i'm like okay all right sweet (laughs) you know i'm like all right and then later on a few hours later i'm just walking down the hall and this guy smacks me on the arm and he goes, love the show, Paul. And I look, I'm expecting it to be somebody I know. Nobody, I don't know this guy from 
anybody, but he liked my show no, and he had to tell me. And I'm like, thank you. <laughs> hey, hey, man, that's that's good. It means you got your name around and the hard work is paying off. And the best part is, is when you do it for yourself, the only payoff is what you're happy with. So oh, yeah. these these are all perks that come afterwards that you weren't really expecting or even looking for. And that's the beauty of it. When somebody goes out of their way of being like, one day people will come up and pat me on the back. And one day they're going to be like, I'm your biggest fan. They end up trying so hard, but they miss the mark because they're not doing it for themselves. Oh, yeah. Like, you, you know, you've seen my show. Yeah. I've seen your show. You yeah. do your thing for you because it makes it feel good. Yeah. You know, I do my thing for me. Now, I'm anal and I want it to all look perfect because I want to be able to watch it. If I watch my own show, like there's there's been times, there's a couple episodes that I just scrapped because I was like, I'm watching it no matter how many times I flipped it. I was like, this is crap. I, I was I was screaming at the screen being like, shut the fuck up, Dr. Zombo. You're annoying. Why are you still talking? Uh, that's when I just throw it away. You know, and I start fresh because if it doesn't work for me, uh, it doesn't work for me. And I know if it doesn't work for me, it's definitely going to work for anyone else. Now, I could be mistaken because I could probably sit around and act like a boobah and just make weird noises and put a television under my T-shirt or something. And people be all, yay, look how fun he is. Yeah. But like that ain't the audience I want to be dragging behind me either. Yeah. Um. I don't know how you feel about this, but I had to describe your show to somebody. And I go, Oh, this should be good. <laughs> I go, it's it's uh Pee-wee's Playhouse directed by Rob Zombie. I like it. I like it. I like it. And uh somebody goes, Well, Rob Zombie worked on Pee-wee's Playhouse. It's like, yeah, he worked in like production, he was like a set guy. I was like, I'm talking he directs an episode. <laughs> <laughs> and then okay. plays peewee yeah <laughs> and they're like i was like watch it you know like people come back and like yeah you're kind of right <laughs> that's the best hey, you know I what peewee is uh I, I i've heard the rob zombie thing quite a bit and and the thing is is i actually really dig the dude uh i would love to meet the guy one day because I cannot go into the facet of like how much me and him may have in common on, on an autistic level. Yeah. You know, like the way that we see things and lighting and like even jokes and characters that he's come up with, like before Captain Spaulding was Captain Spaulding, even though that character existed in Rob Zombie's head for years prior, mm -hmm. I was already that character to a lot of my friends. And then when the movie came out, they all stopped and looked at me and I was like, don't look at me. I didn't write the fucking movie, you know, uh, but not to mention Pee Wee. I love Pee Wee. I adore Pee Wee. I have, it was when I was a kid uh, to me, it was Pee Wee, John Lennon, Elvira. Okay. I love the activism and the beauty of how John did shit. Pee Wee was just everything to me. I was like, I want your house. I want your bike. I want your goofy suit. Uh, Elvira, I just wanted her, period. 
still do. I don't care if she's into chicks or not. That's even hotter. I love it. If she would just let me sniff her shoes, I'd be fine with that and a good pat on the head. Just be like, good, I'm set, okay? Uh, but Pee Wee, I used to go to school. This is no shit. I, I was broke when I was a, a little kid, but I would pick up on these characters. Oh, Indiana Jones too. I'd pick up on these characters. And if I found even the slightest hint of something that looked like what they wore, I would put on this whole facade and go to school and get my ass kicked for being Pee Wee, for yeah. being Indiana Jones. Not ever being Elvira, because that's back in my day, you just don't ever get seen again. You get found a dumpster or something. Uh, but yeah, or, you know, you get a, a, a ET doll. What do you do? You put it in a basket of your bike and you have his head popping out the fucking uh, backpack. You know, yep. I had gizmo and I was like, oh, tell my friends he was alive. Like, you know, imagination. Oh, yeah. So thank you. I, I appreciate that assessment. Yeah. You, you talked about that. It's like, I remember being a kid, man, and uh, I made like a Ghostbuster backpack. I had like a, a flashlight attached to a pole and had the, <laughs> the, the like, a, like, so that the, there was a radio inside the backpack so it would make noises. And because, oh, yeah. Cool. And uh, it makes you feel good, you know? Oh, yeah. That's, you it, know, people look at me now and, and I do um, you know I have a full set of stormtrooper armor I have a full set of sith robes from star wars I just recently got a full spider-man costume and people are like dude aren't you I'm like oh man I have fun you know I'm yeah. I'm too old to give a shit what other people think you know and it's funny because the same people go oh aren't you a little old at I took my kid out trick-or-treating and I always dress up when I take him out trick or treating because right. that's for him. It's it's he's having fun. He likes the fact his dad dresses up. Except for one year, he decided he didn't want me to take him dressed up. <laughs> and then we got out. We're outside. We're walking. We're we're you know I don't know fifteen minutes away from our house. Then he decides he wants me to be in a costume. So I'm like, but daddy's not going all the way back to the house. Cause that's going to be another 15 minutes. Plus I got to yeah. get the costume on. And I was like, by the time I come back, there's going to be trick or treats going to be over. Um, I've taken him out. Cause I have a big inflatable Godzilla costumes. I took him out trick or treating in that. And, um, but the same people who make fun of me doing that are the same people who have to get their picture taken with me when I'm out taking my kid trick or treating. Yeah. Yeah. Because you know, it's funny because what they're doing is they want to live vicariously through people that have enough balls to be able to just be. Yeah. And that's sad. It's right. sad because they're just holding back because they're afraid that they're going to let down their God and somebody might think they're goofy or they might think they're stupid or childish. Who gives a fuck? Oh, yeah. It's, it's like, I, as I've told people, I was like, there is a probably better than good chance that the day I die, I'll be wearing a Star Wars t-shirt. <laughs> I was like, I'm not going to lie. There is probably a 70% chance that I will be wearing. The other, you know, 30% will be either a metal t-shirt or a comic book related t-shirt, but it is one of those three. <laughs> and, uh, oh my God. I, I'm, I'm working on my out. When I go, I'm going to have them hermetically seal me in my chair. 
okay? So they, so they can come in and tour the bus and see Dr. Zombo in full rot with a, uh, a, a sense of some sort. So when it walks by, it just says all kinds of bullshit, you know, like pull my finger or something. And I, you know, like bury the bus with me in it halfway in the ground with just a little tunnel that goes into the door and then just seal me up in a, in a, in a giant clear box, you know, let me rot so people can watch it. Do the, uh, 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 linen where they keep pumping you full of, uh, um, wax. Yeah. They they keep fixing his face because his nose fell off and keep pumping him full of, uh, I don't want to fix it. I want it to fall off. If I could, I'd have them stuff me and then, uh, you know, just crudely safety pin arms back on and crap like that, you know? Frankenstein. One of those. Yeah, yeah. No, like, you got to have fun with life. You got to. I, I told my wife that when I die, I want to be cremated and there will be a list of people. I was like, you go around with this coffee can. And you go, hey, do you remember Paul Lee? And they'll go, yeah. He said hi. What the hell was that? Oh, oh my God. No. <laughs> you see what God just did to us? <laughs> oh, man. Well, you know, it, it's funny because I, I still, I'm, I'm, I'm still in the same small town I grew up in. I, I got away briefly and then I come back. Um, never too far. Um, literally I live three blocks away from the house I grew up in, you know, it's one of them things. So I've run into a lot of people I went, I grew up with, or went to school with. And, uh, you know, there are people who are like, look at me, they're like, well, what do you do now? And I'm like, I own a comic book shop and sell video games and stuff to kids and, and people and whatnot. And they're just like, oh, kind of figured that was what you would do. And then there's the back of my mind, I'm going yeah, but you know what? I'm happy at my job. I don't yeah. hate my life. Yeah, I, I don't like, you know, when people used to ask me, I, I just don't even entertain it now. I just tell them all kinds of shit. You know, what do you do for a living? Oh, I, I'm I, I'm a duck herder. What's that? Oh, it's, it's too complicated. Uh, because I would tell people, hey, I'm a machinist. And they'd be like, oh, so like uh, you mess with drills and stuff. And I was like, no, that's a tool. I'm a machinist. I work with robots bigger than your house. And they're like, well, I got a good job too. And I'd be like, oh, look, this wasn't a pissing contest. You asked me a question. I thought maybe you were interested. Never mind. I'll go back to duck herding. What's funny now is is that I, I tell people I do this. And they're like, huh, you're on YouTube? You make a lot of money? No. <laughs> dude, dude, I don't, I don't, I don't, I, one is I don't destroy my body. Uh, I, I don't break things. Uh, I, so there's a chance that I will never be internet famous. Uh, <laughs> hey, you know, there is a big misconception that if, you have put yourself for absolutely free on YouTube for people to watch that for some reason you might be making money. And I'll tell you, trying to make money on YouTube, uh, I am not 20 years old and I do not have a giant pair of tits. There you go. Ain't gonna happen. Ain't gonna happen. And if it does, 
then the world outside of my bus has changed dramatically and I'm really blind. That is the only way that's going to happen. It, it, it's it's funny because like I like we were talking about is people think it's like oh how much you make it I was like I made money for I think two weeks with with my channel uh, and then was immediately demonetized. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, they they're like well, you use too much of pre existing stuff. I'm like you know what I have people all over the world watching my shows and having fun. And that means more to me than the, you know, $20 I might make on, you know, YouTube. So, yeah. Hey, man, you know, that's the payoff. Yeah. Uh, when I hear, when, when people respond to message me or whatever and say, hey, something you said really caught on. Something that you said changed a way I, I view things. Uh or even when you come in, you're like, hey, you know, the dream thing, it, it stuck with you. Yeah. To me, that is the payment. That is the payment. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's no better payment. So in reality, my reality, I'm the richest man on the planet because people get it and uh, they don't have a, like, they feel encouraged to say, I get it. Oh. And not just, hey, great show. Well, what did you like about it? Uh, it's a great show i'm like okay well then you didn't get it but you know when people come to me and they're like hey uh, when you talked about this i got it when you talked about this it hit home when you talked about this i felt like you were talking to me you know that to me that's that's the payment right there well with 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 doing this show i have legitimately have had people contact me like i wish you could do it live I would love to be able to chime in. And I'm like, I, I might be able to do one live down the road. I don't know what that takes logistically. You know, and I would be down for it if I could ever figure it out. But, you know, the fact that people want to, to chime in, like it's just a normal conversation, which we are having a normal conversation in my brain because that's how we work at my shop. This is the kind of yeah. conversations we have. And you know, I have people who like, man, I was like, I, I, I wanted to talk, you know, I felt like I could call you up and be like, yeah, exactly. That's what I was talking about. You know, I'm like, that. Hey, nah. And um, the other day, my, um, my cartoon show, I had a guy send me a message and it like, it hit me hard. Cause this guy's like, thank you. He goes, me and my grandbabies, you know, watch your show every Saturday because it reminds me of when I was a kid and this is something that they will never have except for you're bringing it to them and I I, I want to thank you for this and I'm like welcome man I, I didn't know <laughs> but it was like and these people like reached out to me and I, I, I that's one person and like you I, I, I like when people reach out and I reach out back to them you know, even if I'm, even if I just acknowledge that they message me, like if it's just something like, go, hey, like the show this week, you know, I liked watching whatever. And I'm like, hey, you know, thank you for watching, you know. And yeah. when, when people message me, I'm like, hey, I'm glad I could be there. I'm glad it, that that I'm, I'm part of your life now. And it, it makes me feel really good 
as, you know, a person that I'm able to give somebody back something that they thought they had lost. Yeah. And that, that really is the power that we possess by, by putting ourselves out there. Yeah. Um, and, uh, talking about going live, man, uh, Dr. Zombo is going to be going live here relatively soon. I'm working on all the details, but when I say live, live on the internet, yeah, I'm going to do a live stream and I'm going to try to set it up to where people can legitimately call in on their phones and be heard. So the, because there's, I don't like having to pay attention once again, too many barriers. I don't like, I don't want to have to sit there and try to read squinting and shit and putting on my reading glasses and oh yeah, oh okay. Uh, it takes away. So I want them to be able to call in. Yeah. You know, get some one-on-one and chime in and, you know, get three, four calls going at once so they can all feed back off each other. And why yeah. the hell not? Yeah, I just uh um I had worked with another guy on YouTube and he does a toy uh, um, call-in show where you talk about toys, you get a subject, whatever. And it's normally on Wednesday. Wednesdays aren't good for me because it's one day I get to spend with my, my uh, one of my older boys comes over on Wednesdays and we have our father-son thing and we got our shows that we watch. We kind of bullshit and whatnot. So Wednesdays, are, we had it on Thursday and I was able to call in and talk and I'm like, man, I was like, this is what I kind of want to do right here. And... <laughs> Yeah. You know, have like, you know, like we're doing right now, have me and you talking and have people be able to call in and con- and, and join in on the conversation. That's what I would yeah. love to do. And I just, I, I get it, man. Because if you feel good about giving back, uh, one of the things that I've really been noticing, which I, I mentioned in this last episode that I just put up last night, uh, people are hurting mm-hmm. and they're hurting for human interaction because it's not it's not just lockdowns from pandemics and shit like that it made us second guess our reality mm-hmm. it also made us realize well, well uh, i'm spending i spend 80 percent of my life just talking to people i've never met you know so it makes it as personable as possible without having to fly to another place where you know you can literally window shop the people you want to talk to by watching their show and then they go live and they're like i want to ask them a question yeah now it's not the way humans are supposed to interact but it's the closest thing too and i think if i throw it out there uh i can continue doing the show but i can also give something back to where you know I'll answer any question. And if somebody is, what do you think about this? It's very rarely that I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I have no answer. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. I'll I'll come up with my best educated guest, but uh, I think it's time, you know? So I I encourage you to do the same and then maybe we'll call each other uh, when nobody else is watching and we'll just call each other. So we could keep the stream going and not look like assholes staring at a screen by ourselves. Yeah, because uh, right now, I, I when I do go live um, with the other shows, I will pop on to talk to people. But like you said, you know, I have to literally, I'm sitting there like, you know, 
yeah. trying to talk to people, but I'm like, I can't do that. It gives me I can't trouble. either. And I see, you know, I've seen some streamers, they got this weird like wrist rocket thing going on where it's like they're tapping stuff in, you know, and inspect a gadget it out. And it's just like, I'm not going to buy $10,000 worth of crap just so I could do the same damn thing that I would be. Not just that you call in. And yeah. I, I don't want to read your text. I want to hear your voice because there's something beautiful about the human voice. You can tell emotion. You can tell uh, headspace. You can tell where they're getting at with it. You can tell when someone's being an asshole and when they're being genuine, mm -hmm. you know, because 98% of, uh, of society out there is really bad at lying. Like most people in their same realm will believe it. Uh, but then there's the 10% of us that are just like, bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. No, he's for real. All the rest of you bullshit, get out of my face. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. I, I, so, get, yeah. I get that a lot, man, at the shop and stuff. There's, there's days where you're dealing with people who are like, you know, telling me one, telling these stories about stuff, and you're like, you know, people are believing me. I'm just looking, I'm going, no, you're not. You did not. Nope. Didn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't happen. I, I, I have a hard time telling people my stories anymore because the people that I'm around now, which are very, very few, and only like two or three out of all of the people I, I'm around know me from back in the day. So they know they were either part of the story. So I'll tell them a story that I was too fucked up to remember they were there for. Or they'll tell me a story that I don't remember that I totally thought some other way. But now that those people are no longer there, it's kind of good. But it's also kind of like, uh, I, I, I can't express this enough. The doctor's exploits don't make sense to even me. I don't understand how I'm still here. I don't understand how, uh, I don't know if people have died. I don't know, like, like I'm just waiting for the day where like the FBI shows up and is like, we finally got you. And I'm just like, I've been sitting here the whole fucking time. I got a YouTube show. How hard am I to find? So I think I'm in the good, but I don't know. And now that I'm around people that don't know me and don't know where I came from, uh, it all sounds like bullshit. So I just stopped telling most of my stories. See, I had, I, I worked with a guy for several years and he was a very sheltered. He was, you know, basically like almost fresh out of college. You know, I'm in my late thirties at the time. And, um, you know, I'm talking, you know, I'm, we're talking, telling stories and stuff like that. And, He's like, I yeah, that didn't happen. I'm like, dude, I I've got people who will verify it happened. I was like, I'm not proud of it, <laughs> but I can yeah. definitely tell you that 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 this did happen. Um, you know, like I, I always joke around it uh, up until relatively recently, every car I owned was airborne at one point or another. <laughs> and i mean not just like a little like you know just whoop and you're done i'm like no full-blown go through the air you you know you can make eye contact with people hit the ground and i don't know how the car survived that level hey. of jumping a car hey man i i know all about it uh 
I had a different nickname back in the day, which I'm not going to say out loud, but I'm sure somebody will find it sooner or later. Um, I loved my old cars. I used to rebuild old cars. You know, I had a 53 Chrysler. I had a couple 67, 68 Plymouth Furies, um, 74 Dodge Charger, uh, Challenger, sorry, not Charger. Um, all kinds of good stuff. I even had a 1980 hearse. Unfortunately, it was 1980. So I didn't love it as much as my others. But, you know, but I would drive like a fucking madman. That's as much as I'm going to say about that. Okay. But uh, I've got scars to prove it that are very, very visible. Like I split my head wide open and uh, they could see my skull and, and, uh, I basically stole a bunch of towels out of the ER room, put them on my head after they rushed me in there with the neck brace on, ripped that thing off, stole the towels and booked it out. They called the cops and I was hiding in a bush just covered in blood, you know, and they never found me. I got on a city bus and made my way home. And uh, yeah, uh, kind of sutured it up myself in the bathroom and away I went and, uh, yeah, I, I understand about the airborne car. Trust me. And I hated seatbelts, so I never wore them. So I got to see the inside close and personal with every vehicle I ever had. I've, uh, when we were talking about this, because it's, it's back in high school, um, it's not even there anymore. It's not even like, you know, remember train tracks would go up and then they'd have the train tracks and then it would go back down. Oh, yeah. And um, I had my high school girlfriend were driving. I was hit those train tracks, I don't know, probably doing 70. And it was like, and I did not think it was going to be that. And I went up in the air because the train was coming. So I was trying to beat the train. Yeah. And we hit the air. And, you know, because we always have the old, you know, we see in the movies, everything goes in slow motion. And I'm like, no. That yeah, generally, man. It happens. I was like, I could literally look over at my girlfriend and I looked back and I could see the conductor's face in the train. <laughs> and it's like, Classic. and it's all while I'm in air. And I remember <laughs> her looking at me going, she goes, you're going to kill us. <laughs> and then wham the car bounces it bounces and it stalls out and i thought oh i broke it and so i get out and i look around and i can see people starting to come out of their houses and stuff and i'm like so i get in the car and i look over and i'm like my knee had knocked the shifter out of gear when we were in there <laughs> i went i put it in park i started the car, truck back up threw it back in drive and took off driving man i there was one night, and I'm not going to go into super detail just to keep it short, but I went to a show. Uh, I was really drunk. I was in a bad way. I went with my ex-wife. Ended up leaving my ex-wife at the show. They escorted me out, said, you can't drive, you're drunk. And I was in a 70 Pontiac Tempest. I got in. After I opened my trunk and the security guard was like, what are you doing? I was like, getting something to drink pulled my bottle out of the wheel well went back and he is like if you drive i'm calling the cops i was like give me a fucking break i'll be gone before then so 
you know how you overcorrect everything when you're drinking and driving? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I backed up really fast right through the brick wall, pulled out in front of four lanes of traffic, went to a friend's house. And because I've only been there drunk, I only knew one place to park to, to retrace my steps as to what apartment was is. And for some reason, I'm going in this empty uh, parking garage, just up and then down, up and going around circles until literally I'm like falling asleep at the wheel as I'm coming down one of the curves and just overcorrect around and bam, right into the fucking wall. Come to an hour later, the car steam and the hoods crumpled up. The windshield has my face imprint in the spider web of it. Bumper is in the front tire. Headlight hanging out. I'm like concussed like a motherfucker and still drunk. I I got this thing running, got out of there and drove all the way home on the most obvious Central Avenue down Phoenix, Arizona at two o'clock in the morning in front of cops, no headlights, looking like Ace Ventura with my head out the window and a bottle sitting in between my legs. I'm just like, oh God, get me home. Oh God, get me home. I made it all the way home. I snuck in, my wife was already in bed. She's like, where you been? I just went to sleep. Woke up, she was like, well, you look like you're hurting. And I'm like, I am. I was like, oh, by the way, the car's totaled. She's like, what do you mean? I hear her go outside like a fucking comedy. What the fuck? You, you ripped the car. And I was like, I, yeah, I did. And it's my car, so fuck off. Uh, and then I had to go out there. But you know what? Those old cars, good stuff. I went out there with a sledgehammer and a die grinder, a couple bolts. Yeah, I pounded that shit back into place. You know? Oh, yeah. It, it, it looked like a Mad Max mobile after that. I was even happier with it. Still ran like a top. So I get it. I understand the things we do when we uh, aren't paying attention to reality. Oh man, yeah, definitely. I like I said, I look back now and I'm like, it, it was funny because like I I told everybody, you know, like I said, I go to the gym and everybody's like, man, why you go to the gym? I was like, man, because I not think I'd live this long. There yeah. was no. <laughs> when I was twenty, forty seven was the last age I thought I would ever be. <laughs> Yeah, man. Yeah. Holy crap. I, I tell you, now, now, you know, my regular just going around, it, it's it's a 19, what the hell is it, 86 Ford F-250, you know, because where I live, you need something a little bit more uh, versatile with the, you know, dirt roads and whatever. But, uh, you know, everyone's like, oh, I see you're a NRA uh, member and you're into Harley. And I was like, Oh, you're talking about the stickers that came with the truck? And they're like, why don't you just take them off if you don't believe it? And I was like, those are my incognito stickers. I was like, out where we're at, they see NRA and Harley, and they're like, oh, there's a good, hardworking, all-American boy. They're like, well, not with that Harley sticker. That's a that's like a rebel flag. I was like, no, it's not. Rebels were driving Harleys back in the 50s and 60s anymore. You're a weekend warrior jerk off with too much money. I was like, you ain't going to see me on a Harley. They look nice. They sound nice. They go fast. Yay. I was like, so does a Honda, a Suzuki, a Kawasaki. Chop it up, lower it, and fucking do whatever you want to it. Just as good for a quarter of the price. Yep. I, uh, 
everybody always asks me like, oh man, you look like a guy who'd ride a motorcycle. I was like, oh no. I mean, I might, but I got no feeling in most of my left hand. So when you're like trying to use a clutch and stuff, that's kind of important. <laughs> hey, I tell people because they, they pull the same shit. They're like, oh, are you a biker? And I was like, why? Because I got tattoos. I was like, fuck off. No, I'm not. You know why? Because while you're out there being a jack off on a motorcycle, I'll come flying up on, on your ass in an actual big ass car and just run you right the fuck over. I was like, how cool do you look now that you're stuck to my bumper? Wow. Just to be a dick. I got nothing against motorcycles. Yeah. I really don't. I think they're fucking fun. Yeah, it's, it's uh, as I, I've said this once, I'll say it a million times. Uh, the way I drive and the fastest I like to go, I want as much steel around me as possible because when yeah. I wipe out, the chances yeah. are the car will be wiped out before I get wiped out. <laughs> yeah, my or or on the flip side, if you're driving an old car, like my dad used to tell me, he was like, "You won't survive the wreck, but they'll hose out the car and resell it." <laughs> yeah, I don't, I, I don't have that car anymore. But <laughs> yeah, I missed my old cars, but unfortunately, uh, you know, I look at them, I want one again. Because I'm just used to it, you know? Mm -hmm. It's like the truck is close because it still has that old feel, you know? Mm -hmm. But it just, it doesn't beat the big bomb of badass Matt Black, you know, fucking death machine. And uh, it kind of bums me out because, like, uh, we're living in a time where it's just impractical to even, like, contemplate, you know? The parts went from hard to find to non-existent. The gas, we all know how that's going. And then on top of it, uh, what I used to get from a junkyard or some guy who didn't know that his carbureted needed tuning for 500 or 1,000 bucks at the most 1,500 bucks, they're yeah. like, here's a rust bucket with nothing in it, no engine, no transmission, $6,000, it's a gem. Yeah. No, it's, it's a turd, it's a shell, Oh, you know? A few, a couple years ago now, I was buying. I had this guy. He had a, a old ranchero, and you know it looked nice. I got out there, looked at it, it was solid. His rancheros and El Caminos, the the beds always rust out. Solid yeah. bed, solid underneath. Engine was great, sounded great. Man, I got in it. I took off like a bat out of hell. I drove it around out in the country. I come back and I was like, all right. I was like. I'll tell you if I want it tomorrow. He's like, all right. He goes, I got other people looking at it. I was like, all right. Thought about it. Said, hell with it. I wanted it. Cool. I buy it. I drove it from his house to my store. And it was overheating, blowing water everywhere. None of the gauges work. I put gas in it. I couldn't tell anything. I was like, did it ran fine two days ago when oh, I yeah. what <laughs> happened between point A and point B. And I was like, that's, when, you, that's when you polish the turd before it goes. <laughs> I called that guy up and I was like, yeah, I want my money back now. And he goes, well, uh, I was like, no, I was like, you said it was your daily driver. I was like, there's no way that car was your daily driver. 
I was like, I couldn't drive it from Sydney to Pickle, which was like the whole entire trip, maybe 12 miles. I was like, no, no, no. You bring me my money. I want you to come get your car. And uh, a few hours later, a guy came and got it. And then the last time I seen it, somebody else in town bought it. And then I haven't seen it since. Yeah. Now I've got my, I got the two Camaros out in the garage, which if I ever get chance to work on them, it'll be a, um, I call, I call mine, my, uh, I have an 82 and it had an engine swap. So it's got, I think a 77 Corvette engine in it. Oh, nice. And um, I call it Medusa. And everybody's like, why is that? I was like, it's ugly as shit, but it's mean. So when when it's actually running, which the engine will run great. But the only problem is, is right now I cannot figure out why I cannot get gas from the tank to the engine. I checked all the, all the fuel filters. Everything's clean, but from point A to point B, it's not working. Even put a new uh, uh, fuel pump on it. Nothing. I don't know what the hell is wrong. Is is it one of the fuel pumps that goes inside the fuel tank right there? No, this was, see, the only problem is is that somebody told me that might be the problem because the fuel pump is on the engine because it's a, it's a 70. So it has the, the, the uh, uh, actual, uh, right. Yeah. But there might still be a fuel pump from the old engine in the tank and that's causing the problem. That, that could be because there's, there's a, there's a filter on that. I had to do that with an old 88 Suburban I had mm-hmm. where it's got the full, the full canister inside on top of the gas tank. There's a, there's a, uh, a round door. So mm-hmm. if you can get a mirror or something and you see that on top of that gas tank, you've got a whole contraption in there that pulls the fuel out and sucks it up front. And if that's the case, you may be having a problem there. Another thing to look at is uh, yours is carbureted, right? Yeah. Okay, it's not like TBI, uh, fuel injected, or none of nope. that. Okay, then you're good there because one of the problems I had on my Suburban, same thing. I changed that thing out of there. I changed the fuel line. I changed the fuel filter, the inline, you know, all that crap. Come to find out there was a, a sensor inside of the distributor cap, which I had never seen, that controlled it was a fuel module inside the distributor cap and all the tricks online were like hey just you know wet it down when it overheats i was like why would i wet something down that's sitting inside a distributor cap that's distributing electronic shock you fucking what you know so uh yeah check that out get a mirror up underneath that fuel tank and see if there's a round door if there is it's about about yay big if you see that up there you got a whole thing in there that you need to pull out okay yeah it's uh it's one of the ones where right now the only problem with with the house i'm living in now is my garage is tiny so the older camaro that's in the garage takes up the entire garage from door to door and i can't get in on the one side so i have this much room on the other side when we loaded in, I put all my toolboxes and then put the car in because I thought, oh, I'm going to get a shed. Well, I just got the shed and they half-assed it. So I got to wait for them to rebuild the shed and so I can put my tools in it so I can actually get back out and work on my vehicles. Hey, well, when you get there, give me a call. We'll go over it together. 
Cool. I will. I will. <laughs> oh man. Uh damn. I was I had some other stuff I was gonna talk to you about. Man, we've been going for almost two hours. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. Jesus Christ. We, we started at uh about eleven thirty my time and it's one sixteen. So hey, you know what? It sounds like uh this was one of those nights where you just wanted to fucking shoot the shit in the first place. Oh man, today's been a crazy weird day. Like I said, I apologize. I had a sick kid and uh, he was complaining. He's like, oh, my belly hurts. And they're like, okay, you know, it's probably something you ate because he he's he has autism. So he gets, you know, where he's like, okay, I want to eat this. I want to eat this. I want to eat this. And um, he'll sneak it. And um, usually he's pretty good. He doesn't really... And then uh, all of a sudden I'm, I'm sitting down here getting ready for stuff and I'm cleaning up down here in, in my, in my basement. And uh, my wife texted me, she goes, he just threw up. I'm like, oh man. So I go upstairs and I get all the clean up, get him in the shower, get him all cleaned up and uh, get him ready to go back to bed. He goes over, sits on the couch, throws up again. I'm like, ah, oh, but you know and then he's like no i feel better now and i'm like okay let's clean you up a little bit and he goes I'm I'm to bed. So we went over and put him in his bed and he's he's been out cold since so good good yeah. hey look we we can always pick up where we left off to um yeah. you know what i mean yep hey, we we run our own shows you yep. don't have to clear it with management nope no, we do not. Uh, well, do you want to throw some stuff out there for me, or you want to do it on a part two at some um, day? Why don't we do a part two, um, and we'll, we'll go back to that, because I got some other stuff, and then I want to come back to some stuff we talked about earlier. Um, but yeah, we will definitely do another one. Which, All right, well, let's which, do that. Which will be part three, because we already had part one. This is part two. <laughs> hey, well, well, we'll do it on part five. I don't really give a shit. Like, I ain't doing nothing. <laughs> every, 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 every so often, man, we get back together and we talk. So there you go. Yeah, there you go. I hate we can use I can use this as a show, but this is just a conversation between two of us. So it doesn't. Really... <laughs> hey, you know what? Use the stuff you want, and we'll roll with the rest. Oh man, and and it's funny because, like I said earlier, I I I edit very little of my shows unless like my dog's a ends up being a butthead or once out or my kid comes crashing down the steps or something like that <laughs> it, it, everybody likes it because they're like it's a natural conversation it goes with the flow it's not nothing's forced nothing you know and everybody seems to like that and i do i like talking about this stuff like this i mean we have fun i think you know yeah, I have a great time, man. Yeah. I mean, it's a very chill conversation. So, hey, you got a show. Yeah. Because, I mean, you introduced who I was on the last one. Mm -hmm. Now we're just bullshitting. And yep. uh, people dig it or they don't. It, it's any which way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, everybody who's watched the show has loved it. And they're like, so people have gone for me. And I've, I've said, here, you go to him. Here's his show. Watch it. And... <laughs> So hopefully hey, they're going over there. Hey, if they do, they do. If they don't, they don't. It, they're getting it one way or the other. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yep. So exactly. it works for me. Well, I've had a good time. Yeah, me too, man. Always. I have a blast. Nothing. Yeah. 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 So. Well, I um, guess. 
until part three. Until part three, sir. You have yourself a good night. And uh, I'm going to check on my kid and and you guys take care. And I will, I'll probably message you online again and we'll talk and then we'll talk. So. (laughs) Sounds good to me. (laughs) All right. You know the number. I'll see you soon. See ya. Good night. Good night. As always, we want to thank Dr. Zombo for showing up and being on the show tonight. Uh, as always, the Group Therapy Podcast is brought to you by Are You Game, the best coll- comic book, collectible, magic, uh, toy, DVD shop, located at 124 North Sunset Drive, Pickle, Ohio, 45356. And remember, watch me every Friday night at 8 8 p.m. for Sci Fridays and every Saturday at 8 a.m. for Saturday morning cereals. And you can see this show drops every Monday at 12 noon Eastern Standard Time. So I will see you guys next time and take care and I'll see you there later.